Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 16. Genesis chapter 1, verse 16. I bought a physical Bible up here this morning. Now, when I now bring a physical Bible... It looks like a family Bible. There's no pictures. There's no maps in here. This is just a Bible. It's just really large print because I have come to that place in life, and I proudly own it, all right? Genesis 1.16. I want to just springboard off this one interesting verse. Listen to this. And God made two great lights. So this is the creation story. We're, we're still in Genesis 1. The word Genesis in the Hebrew means beginnings. We, uh, matter of fact, it, uh, we still use it that way in English. The genesis of something means the beginning, the inception. Uh, so Genesis 1.16, he comes to this point in the process of creation, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars and God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and separate the light from the darkness and God saw it, that it was good. So we see how God created the sun and the moon and we have that limited revelation in scripture but we now know that the orbit of the sun and the moon and all that happens, we know that that governs the day and governs the night, and it's, it's the way we determine our clocks and our calendars, and it really divides up what we know as time. And time is a very, very important thing. It's a very, very valuable commodity. It's been said that time is the thing that levels the playing field. Everybody has the same amount of time in a day. We may not have as much time in our life, but we all have the same amount of time in a day and days in a year. And God has divided time up in these increments known as moments and hours and the calendar and days and years and months and all of that is determined by the orbit of the sun and the moon. These, these bodies that God says govern the day and the night. And that word govern, and as a matter of fact, I'll even tell you what it is in Hebrew. That word govern is memsela. And what it really means is the so, a sovereign dominion means authority to rule. And God has set these two bodies, the sun and the moon, to rule over our life. And let me read you just a couple of thoughts that I, was, I wrote down some time back. And I'm going to springboard off this this morning. I pulled it up. Uh, it was an article I wrote, Time in the Economy of God. Although fiction writers have dreamed of it and scientists theorized about it, time remains a barrier man has yet to breach. Entire industries have risen to help us stretch time, but it is all from the approach of cramming more into the box through organization and efficiency. No one has been able to expand the box itself. 
Time remains unyielding. This is because God intentionally placed this limitation upon us. Time is a device of God's making. And again, it's, it's the great uh, equalizer. It levels the playing field. Time from God's perspective is a tool. There are seasons, periods of time referred to as eons in Scripture. Now, in the Greek, they're, they're known as eons. In the Old Testament, there's a separate word that's often translated seasons in Hebrew. And those, those blocks, those segments of our life are very, very important. And it's actually a way that God governs us. And that's what, that's what the writer of Genesis, that's what Moses, by the Spirit, is telling us, that these bodies are the way in which we determine time, and time is a governor placed upon us. It's a way that God governs our life. And we need to understand that. We need to yield to that and see the weight of that thing, that your time is precious. So much so that the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, I want to say it's chapter 5, he said, don't be a fool, know the will of the, t- the Lord, for time is short. He's saying that all of us have one shot at life, so don't be foolish with this thing called time, because time is unyielding. It comes to us, it goes by us, and it's gone, and we can never get it back. And so we need to understand the importance of time. We've got to steward time well. So there's periods of time pregnant with purpose, segments of history infused with specific divine intent. What I want us to understand this morning is that when we talk of eons in the New Testament or seasons in the Old Testament... I'm not going to take time to figure out what that Hebrew word is. I've got a document here. Uh, but there is a, Laura, I thought you were waving that little tag at me, like trying to get my, she's got her grandson and he's waving at me. Get, okay, time is, okay. So time is a governor, a tool of government in the hands of God. And when we talk about seasons and eons, they are a very spe- there's a very specific meaning behind this. It is a period of time pregnant with God's purpose. And that season is launched by fresh revelation and by the fulfillment of the purpose of the last season. I want that to sink in for a moment. So when we're thinking about cooperating with God, we, we use this terminology, oh, I'm in a fresh season. And there, that, there's, there's truth to that for us as individuals. But usually when that terminology is used by God in Scripture, times and eons, it's more talking about corporate allocations. It's, it's more about corporate callings. And so God will launch us into a fresh season. And there's two things that inaugurate a fresh season. There is the consummation or sometimes the abortion of the last season. So God moves us into a fresh period corporately. That can be true of families, biological families. That's certainly true of churches. But it's also true of nations and even periods of human history. And when you begin to get on the grand scale of human history, it's connected to the reign of men. When Daniel, the prophet Daniel, writes in Daniel chapter 2, 
and he's, he's, he's praising the Lord because God had given him the answer that he's crying out for. And it's not a, a coincidence that Daniel gets this prophetic revelation in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Nebuchadnezzar has arrived on the global scene as the most powerful man in the world. And Daniel gets this prophetic revelation to help this most powerful man in the world govern from a divine perspective. God has given this Nebuchadnezzar a dream, and Daniel is the one who not only gets the interpretation, he gets the dream by divine revelation. And so Daniel in chapter 2 is worshiping God. Now, just pause there. What we need to understand, if Daniel's getting the revelation in chapter 2, it means he was captured, or in, in the second year, rather, of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he was captured in the first year. It is not a coincidence that God allowed a major prophetic voice to be captured by this rising power in the earth. It seemed a bummer for Daniel on a lot of fronts. But for God's purpose, purposes, it was crucial that there be a prophetic voice next to this most powerful rising power. And so when Daniel has, or Nebuchadnezzar rather, has this dream from God himself, this pagan occult leader who has risen to global power, has a dream from heaven, he calls his wise men and he said, okay boys, it's time to see if you really got the stuff. I had a dream and I need the interpretation. And they're all like, oh king, live forever. You just tell us what that dream was and we'll roll out the interpretation. He said, no, no, not so fast. He said, I'm not some gullible king here. I know you could simply make something up. I want you to first tell me what the dream was and then tell me the interpretation. And they're like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Back up the prophetic truck here, Nebby. How, how about, you know, this isn't the way things happen. Don't you know we magi have been here for a long time? We, we are the wise men, and we're the wise men, and you come to us. You give us your dream. We'll tell you what it is. And Nebuchadnezzar said no. He said, in fact, you're trying to buy time. You're hoping that the times of Nebuchadnezzar will change. You're hoping the times will change is what he says. So what he's saying is you're hoping that the era of Nebuchadnezzar comes to an end, saving your hide. He said, you're on the clock. You either get this interpretation or you're a dead man. And nobody has it. Until they come to the young Jewish boy, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, uh, Daniel. And Daniel says, you tell Nebuchadnezzar, hold his hand, let, give me some time to get with the Lord. And the Lord downloads to him what it says. And so in chapter 2, he's praising the Lord for this. And this is what he says to the Lord. He says, oh Lord, you are, he said, you Raise kings and you remove them. You change the times and the seasons. Again, remember what Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, you're hoping that the times will change. In other words, you're hoping that I'm dethroned or I die, so it's no longer the time of Nebuchadnezzar, it's the time of someone else that will go back to the old way of you making up interpretations when I tell you their dream. 
And so this times and seasons, when we're looking at on the global scale, especially when you look in the book of Daniel, Daniel was a geopolitical prophet. And you say, Pastor, what is this, a history lesson? I'm going somewhere this morning. Daniel was a geopolitical prophet. He prophesied well in advance the raising up and the demolishing of kingdoms. And Daniel, true to his calling, was not just forth foretelling the future, he would foretell the now of God to these geopolitical rulers and actually served three pagan kings as a prophet of God and became heaven's influence next to the throne. I would propose to you that we are in that type of season globally. And now it is more important than in the last 20 years for the prophetic voices to come to the forefront. Because in the times when the seasons change, it's important that the prophetic voices become captured and serve the purposes of God in the rising powers. We are living in an age right now where there is a battle for the thrones of the earth. We really are. And my theology, you're going to have to figure out your own, you know, people say, Pastor, what do we believe? I don't know what you believe. I know what I believe, and I can share it with you and why. But you got to come to your own conclusions. Be a Berean. My theology makes room for this thing yet being undecided. It's in the balances. And I'm not just talking about the elections in the United States. That is definitely a part of it. But we're seeing this battle for the thrones in Brazil Bolsonaro was taken out of power by a corrupt Supreme Court. We're seeing this across the world. There is a concerted effort against freedom-loving people to be, there's an attempt to displace them by Marxist individuals. And the future is in the balance. And so what needs to happen is prophetic intercessory worship. Prophetic intercessory, and we need to be Inviting the presence of God in worship. Put, inserting ourselves in this thing until this thing tips in favor of God's purposes. And it's going to happen through prophetic intel. And that's why uh, Daniel shows up in this thing. So uh, it, it's so important. So we have these ideas of times and seasons. And, and uh, to everything there is a time, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. There are times for different things. To everything, there is a season. Remember the old song? Get everything, turn, turn. You get, you get your beads out and your hippie, you know, your little hippie ballad. There's to everything. My wife's like, like oh, Lord. There, there is, to everything, there is a time and a season. You've got to know the season to know what to do during that time. Because if you are... If you don't discern the season, you end up doing the wrong thing. You don't try to harvest in planting season, and you don't try to plant in harvest season because you're out of sync, and you're not going to see the purposes of God emerge in your life. So it's very, very important that we understand the time. So just, just a side, side note here. That verse, the sons of Isaacar, that we all like to quote, and it's so good, and it's, it's relevant right now, we need to understand, the sons of Isaacar who understood the times, comma, and therefore knew what they should do. You know what the context of that is? David 
was rising and the house of Saul was diminishing. And normal protocol would demand that the, the tribes of Issachar would recognize normal protocol and be faithful to the, the, the legacy of Saul and crown one of his sons, but they understood the times. They were men in tune with the Spirit and knew what they should do. So they threw themselves behind, the, the, behind David. This Isaacar anointing, this Daniel anointing, is crucial in this hour of human history. And we as believers must have our ears tuned to God. We don't watch political debates and then say, well, I don't like how that guy combs his hair or that guy's tie, or I don't like how that is irrelevant. What is the word of the Lord? That's what we've got to determine. We've got to cry out to God, and we need heaven's intel. Because I'm telling you, the Lord has shocked me before in the people he has chosen. We need a word from the Lord. And you need to feel the weight of this thing because the times have, there there are seasons that have, okay, so a season is launched by two things, the consummation of the purpose of the last season. So every season is a period of time pregnant with God's purpose, okay? And when we think of time, we think of time as, oh yeah, it's a date on a calendar. When is this season over? I don't think it's a coincidence. I left my watch at home and lost my my phone. I'm trying to check out the time. What time is it for worship? Man, this is glorious, but are we going (laughs) to... I think it's prophetic. Say, well, pastor, any excuse for you being old and forgetting things? Okay, that's fine. We think of a time as a date on a calendar. Oh, I'm going to go through this process, and then on that date it'll lift. And we're just kind of biding our time. If you take that mentality, you are simply prolonging your own agony. Because the way these times and seasons culminate is not by the date on a clock, it's by the fulfillment of the purpose of that time, that segment of time. And so, you can take an 11-day journey out of Egypt to the promised land, and that's how long it should have taken them, and you can make it into a 40-year, multiple laps around Mount Sinai for 40 years until a new generation emerges, and then God says, okay, now we're ready to go in. And so we need to cooperate with the purpose of the season we're in. If we don't understand the season, then we're just spinning our wheels and we're, we're, along, we're eating up the limited time we have on earth. We're eating that up in preparation or in one segment of our life and not moving into the next segment, the next purpose that God has for us. Does that make sense? And so there's two things that will launch the new season, the new time in your life. And when God launches a new time, I'm telling you, everything changes. It brings new opportunities. It brings new relationships. There's doors that swing wide open. It demands new shoes. There are things that we've got to enter into. And so there's two things that launch us into those fresh seasons. And this is true on an individual micro scale, a family, churches, nations, regions, And globally, there are seasons of human history 
where from a divine perspective, it's divided by national power. There's a reason we talk about Pax Romana and Pax Americana. Those seasons of human history where one nation rises to power and God uses them to further his purposes. And then those nations pass into human history, sometimes never fulfilling the the full purpose of God's purpose for them. And so what happens is there's two things that launch those new seasons, the culmination of the last season and fresh revelation, insight, where God launches us. He releases fresh understanding, and we spend the next season stewarding that understanding, moving into that understanding, learning all we can. That's why. That's one of the reasons spiritual hunger and curiosity and a desire to understand the Word is so very important. Because you need to milk whatever God's giving you in the moment, you need to milk it for all it's worth. Jesus himself talked about the seed of the word being planted in the human heart. Some will bring forth 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold from that seed. Another way to say it is some only get 30% of what God's trying to release. Some dig down deeper and they get 60% deep. And then there's others who dig down deep and get 100% of what God's doing. And when they do that, it moves them into the next season and they're prepared for their next season to move into what God has for them. But we, too often, we end up prolonging that because we're not engaged with God's process. So we need to be aware, God, what is the purpose of the season that I'm in? Lord, what are you doing in my life? Lord, I want to understand this truth so that we can cooperate with what God's doing. He does a work in us. I'm just going to read through a few things very quickly now because uh, there's just some things I want to tie together. Time from God's perspective is a tool. There are seasons, periods of time referred to as eons in Scripture. There are periods of time pregnant with purpose, segments of history infused with specific divine intent. They are launched by revelation and consummated by the fulfillment of the purpose or sometimes by the abortion of that, that purpose. This is why Paul writes of the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. There were certain things that needed to ripen and be prepared to move into the next season. The same is true for you and I. There needs to be the fullness of time in our life. And I believe that there's a new season for us as a church. I was chewing on this yesterday morning and how there's, there's fresh seasons, there's There's seasons we go through and there's things that happen. And it's almost as if a crop or of harvest comes to, gets planted, begins to come through the soil. It grows up, it brings forth fruit, it becomes mature, and then it's time for another crop. And we're on the front end of another crop. The Lord told me Tuesday morning, as I came in here, I was praying. And I was asking the Lord, God, I ask for fruitfulness for Iowa. Lord, give us breakthrough in Iowa. I began to see the fields of Iowa opening up like it was ready to receive and ready to give forth life. And I began to pray for that darkness hovering over Iowa 
that's holding Iowa captive and keeping her from moving into her prophetic place in God's purposes nationally. It was like it was like I was seeing a fog just laying over Iowa. And the picture was that the sun comes out, and we talk about the sun burning off the fog. The sunshine, S-O-N, coming and burning away the fog. And it was like I saw this, the mist began to lift off of Iowa, and my sense was it's going to become easy to lead people to Jesus in Iowa. That the, the darkness is to begin again to lift. I want to, I want to encourage you. Listen, statistics say that 82% of non-churched people say that they would attend church, they would try it out, if invited from a friend or neighbor. You hear that? 82%. If you just invite people, say, hey, check out my church. A little wild, but you'll experience God there. Invite them, get them in the atmosphere. I'm telling you, it's going to become easy to lead people to Jesus in Iowa. Because the sunshine, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus is going to break through the darkness of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says the mind of unbelievers have been darkened. But what the answer is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And it's going to lift. And so as I'm praying into this, Dylan, I haven't told you this yet. This is about you. Wave at me so everybody knows who you are. Yeah, you. Yeah, wave, wave high. Wait, Dylan, he's a new, newly minted Christian over here. The Lord spoke to me. Listen, this is what the Lord told me. He said, the Dylans are assigned to you. And I said, what? <laughs> There's two Dylans that have recently gotten saved. One was not doing well in life as a teenager in high school and cried out to Jesus on his own. He got intrigued. He was into some things that weren't good. He was bound. He needed Jesus. And he cried out to the Lord and began to watch Billy Graham alone online and got saved. And he ended up, through a series of events, there was a young man in our church, Josh Rohr, that knew him, and he was told, hey, Dylan's gotten saved. You ought to invite him to church. He said, no, not that Dylan. It's got to be another one. And lo and behold, it was that Dylan. And so Dylan shows up here so that he can begin to learn about what already happened to him in private. I'm telling you, there are seasons of human history. It's called revival, where people come to church say, I met Jesus. Can you explain him to me? Could you unpack this thing I already, ex I already experienced? The other Dylan, over here, the one that just waved at me, he was out, he lives over here in the neighborhood next door. He was in his backyard, and the, I, from what I understand, the youth were playing, shooting hoops before church. They said, hey, come on and play with us. He's shooting hoops with them. I said, you might as well stay for church, and he's gotten radically saved. Look at him. Yeah. So here, here's the word of the Lord. They are a token of what's to come. There's a harvest coming, and it's going to manifest in two ways. Some are going to be invited and meet Jesus when they arrive. Others 
are going to end up coming already saved and said, I don't know what happened, but I met Jesus and he told me I need to come here to learn more about him. There are seasons where God, there are seasons pregnant with his purpose. And we're entering into a season where we have to be aware that there is opportunity for great harvest. And I want to challenge you. You begin to mention church. You begin to invite people to church. You begin to talk about Jesus. Insert him into your conversations. And you watch people get snagged by a little hook called the name Jesus. And they'll begin to ask you questions. Now, prophecy needs to be cooperated with and prayed into. And so I want to encourage you, let's pray into this thing. So I felt prompted. The Lord, I felt like the Lord said, look up the name Dylan, what it means. So I looked it up and it said, son of the sea. I thought, man, that just doesn't. So I went a little deeper. It's a Welsh name. I like the Welsh revival. In the Welsh revival, there were times they'd get saved and come to church and tell them, I got saved. I need, to, I need this explained. So you go a little deeper, and it's a compound word. Die, D-Y, means great. And the, the, the suffix, lan, it means great wave. I'm telling you. There's a great wave coming. It's going to wash in the harvest. So there's no room for spectators. We're all in the game. You're being enlisted to serve. No pew potatoes. Get it? Spectators, pew potatoes. Okay. We, uh, we, we all need to be engaged in what God's about to do. So, okay. From a human perspective, time moves by the passing of measurable sections called moments, hours, days, and years. From the divine perspective, however, time moves forward by the fulfillment of a purpose. And that's why no man knows the time or day. When Jesus said, no man knows the time or day of my return, I would propose to you the reason no man knows it is because it's not yet set. Because the criteria for Jesus' return rests in the hands of men. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached to every people group, and then the end shall come. And while we cry out, Jesus, come, he says, you go, because if you go, I can come. The Exodus, okay, we already talked about that. Revelation is the governor on the engine of time. It's the revelation, it is revelation that launches new ages and eons. It's why God will withhold certain truths. In fact, revelation often has a release date to it. Ephesians 3 talks about the men of old longing to look into certain truths, but it wasn't until Paul's day that it was released. Why? Because it would launch whole new eras. In fact, Jesus insinuates in Matthew 13 that the reason he preached in parables, the word parable leads to throw alongside. It means the idea is I'm going to throw the, a physical reality alongside the spiritual reality because God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't comprehend the kingdom. We, we don't comprehend the things of the Spirit. So what he's going to do is he's going to throw a physical reality. The kingdom of heaven is like farming. Then when we understand farming, we can then understand the kingdom. That's the idea of a parable. So the very meaning of the word parable means to throw alongside, and it insinuates it's going to reveal something. But then Jesus said, 
when he was asked by his disciples in Matthew 13, why do you teach him parables? And he tells them the reason I do it is to conceal. I intentionally talk about truth in a way that people won't understand unless they're hungry enough to circle back around and grab it. And he tells his disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but if you cross-reference that with other gospels, they didn't understand it either. The only reason it was given to them is because they stood, they stayed after the service and said, Jesus, what does this mean? We have to know. And he said, now, the, the, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to those who care enough to ask a second time who aren't content just to sit under the preaching of the word and be confused and go home and say, ah, didn't understand that one. But there's a hunger, a cry in their heart that says, God, I have to understand. If this is you, I must know. And those that press in, that have that second run at it, God begins to open things up. But he withholds it from others that won't. You know why? Because he's too good a steward. He can't afford to release those things. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 6. He says, because if they were to see, they could, take, they could receive that thing. He's saying that understanding is actually the entrance into that reality. Do you understand what I'm saying? That if you understand the truth, it can, that revelation itself contains the grace to walk that thing out. You enter into that thing. But people who don't value it enough won't value the grace and that revelation will actually harden their heart rather than soften it. And so out of the grace of God says, I'm not giving it to you yet. If you're not hungry enough, I'm not going to release it to you yet. And all of this has to do with time and progress in the kingdom and new seasons. And so when, when God begins to release fresh truths to us as we hunger and we cry out, as he releases those, those will actually release us into new, I'm going to get mystical here, new realms of the Spirit, new territory, new revelation, things that we have to mine out over time, things that we have to learn to steward over time, and as they incorporate into our life and we begin to live those things out, they're, they're established in our life, the fruit has come to maturity, then we can move on to the next season. And there are people who move from season to season to season to season to season because they are pressing in and hungry. And there are others who move into season. And then they die. And it's a tragic thing. You don't want to miss what God's going to do. Okay. I want to read you one other thing. I, I ministered on this several years ago, but I, the Lord reminded me of this yesterday, and I want, to, I want to just read this out to you. This has to do with seasonal transitions in our life. New opportunities will always trigger old insecurities. While external doors open, internal fears will rise up. Your unfinished business sits at the threshold of your next season. 
those fears must be faced in order to occupy your future. So we need to understand as we're moving into a next, the next season, this fresh season, there are things that will rise up in your life personally and even corporately that we thought, whoa, I thought this was settled. And it was to the level the last season required. But the new season will make a new claim on you. The new season will actually require a new us. And so we've got to go through these processes. We've got to grow up into all that God has called us into. And the tragedy is that you can run with a group of people that are entering into a fresh season. But because you haven't been doing the work, you haven't been pressing in, you can actually get left behind. Can you imagine being an Israelite who overslept the morning of the Exodus? You wake up and everybody's gone? It's a frightful thing. So now this season, and I would, I would dare say even this next week, this last week of this 21-day fast, is a time for us to lay hold of God and ask him, Lord, what are you wanting to do in us? As we move into next week and culminate the fast next Sunday, Lord, what are you wanting to do? Are there any things that are left undone from the final, last season so that I can close that season off and begin to enter into the new one? It's a time of consecration. And to ask, Lord, God, is there anything that you're wanting to put your finger on in me? In order to expand your external influence, you must face your internal limitations. We often sabotage ourselves from growth. As we step into new things, a new job, ministry, opportunity, relationships, we are initially out of our depths and it seems overwhelming, but over time we begin to occupy our territory. It becomes governed, manageable. It's then that the new opportunities arise because you've settled the last season. Your destiny always lives, lies outside your comfort zone. If you demand comfort, you will forfeit destiny. Let me just let that hang in the air for a moment. Your destiny lies outside your comfort zone. God is trying to expand your comfort zone. And the way he does it is by taking you into territory that has been uncomfortable that you've avoided precisely because of the discomfort and cause you to become comfortable with it. And that's the way we grow. The sad fact is there are believers who rather grow in their territory, they shrink. And they're actually relegated to a little postage stamp, a little patch in the spirit. I'm saved and going to heaven. And it's not what God intended for them. Listen, our ultimate goal is not to get to heaven. Our goal is that God's purposes for his ever-expanding kingdom be realized in us. We're already living in the, the, the power of the age to come, the life of the age to come. It's a matter of, Lord, how can I cooperate so that I don't look at the end of my life and cry hot tears over missed opportunities in the kingdom, that we fulfill the purpose for which we were made. You'll either demand comfort or you're for, if you demand comfort, you'll forfeit destiny. If we don't learn to live in the uncomfortable, we atrophy. 
and then we decline. We were created for the ascending life from glory to glory. I believe for some of you, there's going to be new relationships that come into your sphere of, you know, into your orbit. There's going to be people that are going to become a greater influence in your life than they were before. One of the sad parts of a new season is sometimes relationships that were important in a last season cease to be important in a new one. It's not that you don't value them for their input in the last season, it's just that your new season is going to demand some people to lead you into some things that they're already occupying. And when you're really going after God, when you're really asking him, Lord, I want to move into what you have for my life, God will provide people who already occupy that space and they'll become an, uh, a, uh, an influence in your life. I believe that we just need to be very, very uh, aware in this, these coming weeks and months of some shifts that are coming in our life. I believe there's going to be a release of fresh anointing, fresh presence, and fresh encounter in this house corporately. Last night, the, uh, the bishop at Pastor Andre's church he pulled me out and prophesied over me, and he said, you've stewarded the last anointing for 15 years. He said, but it's time for a fresh anointing. You know what he said? You know when he said 15 years? That was 2008. Yeah. We've been pulling on heaven. It's not about us. It's about him. God is so zealous, so yearning to fulfill his purposes. Some of you, God's going to tap you for politics. You're actually supposed to run for office. Some for school board, some for mayor. Who knows, maybe the next governor, maybe the next president sitting over here with the youth. Whatever that looks like, we need to be open to whatever the Lord wants. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, help us to see wondrous things in your law. Teach us, God, to cooperate with you. And Lord, I'm asking, God, that for each of us, there would be an heightened sensitivity that we would begin to recognize the shifts in the atmosphere. We'd begin to recognize the emerging season you're bringing us into and what that looks like personally for each and every one of us. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment.
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jace, would you come down and just stand right down here, right up front? Pastor John and Laura, would you guys get behind Jace? Yeah. Jace, as many of you know, he's going to be heading out to YWAM real soon. And uh, Jace, I just, man, as I was preaching this morning, I, I felt these things for you. It, uh, obviously, it doesn't take a prophet to know you're stepping into a new season. We know you're, you know, and that's, that's obvious, you're stepping into a new season. But I feel like there's some significant relationships. And uh, man... This is a time to really go low and lay it all down and just go after him with everything you have. Everything. I believe there's going to be some fasting the Lord's going to call you into. And uh, he's going to open up his word. There's a cry in your heart to know his word. And uh, he sees that. And he put it in there. But he's going to answer that cry. And he, he did put it in there. Uh, but you've stewarded that well. You fought for that. And there's, it's like you've carved out and tried to protect that, that uh, hunger for the word. And uh, God's going to begin to open it up. I want to encourage you. Make that a, a fixture in your life now for the rest of your life, that daily you are feasting on his word. And uh, just if we could stick our, stretch our hand rather uh, towards Jace. Lord, we thank you for this young man. And, and I do feel like Jace is even a, a token to us uh, of another harvest that's coming. God's going to harvest goers out of this house. And so, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we just bless him. Lord, we ask that, Lord, you would squeeze everything you can out of him and pump everything you can into him at the same time. It's going to be a weird sensation, my friend. Lord, I thank you. And Lord, I ask that, Lord, that you would expose him to things and people and then bring them back to us, Lord, as a catalyst. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I, I don't know how to close this this morning. I just want to encourage you. Let's, let's really lean in. This, this week is crucial. This is the, the, the Jewish celebration that starts with Rosh Hashanah and, and wraps up with Yom Kippur, uh, the Passover. And this is a time to just lay ourselves because then the Israelites moved out and went into the promised land. It's not a coincidence. That stuff is swirling in the atmosphere. Amen? Listen, I love you. Uh, we'll be back here Tuesday morning. For those of you that signed up for the on-ramp class, we'll be in there at 1.30 today up in the, north, uh, the northwest room. So God bless you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give. 